With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are writers for The Athletic, and when I usually when I say that we're along with each other, we're actually on Zoom and can see each other. But today, Jordan, we're actually in person, not only in person, but we're in Victory Lane at Atlanta Motor Speedway, where we're surrounded by confetti, an empty monster can, and you are sitting with your nice slacks <laughs> on a plastic uh, drink carrier thing so that you don't rip your slacks on the concrete of Victory Lane. Uh, what a scene here as we, uh, what a day at Atlanta Motor Speedway overall. So tell me again, why are they reconfiguring this place? I understand the repave. We, I understand it. This place needs to be repaved. There is no arguing that. Why are they reconfiguring this? Because today was the perfect mile and a half track race. It, it couldn't have been any better. It had tire wear. It had comers and goers. It had strategy. It, it rewarded guys who uh, an ability to over long runs. This was the perfect race on a mile and a half racetrack. I, but you're asking the wrong person here, Jordan. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not in favor of the reconfiguration, as uh, are most people not in the garage. Uh, most most of the drivers not in favor of it, I should say. Uh, except one person is in favor of it, Kurt Busch, <laughs> who <laughs> ended up winning the race. The only driver we talked to today out of the 20 people who said they were uh, c- consulted or, or in the loop somewhat about this, at least, and said that they were in favor of the idea. Kurt Busch, who said it was his favorite track, told sponsor Gear Wrench that this is a race they should sponsor because he might win um, and, and how he's going to miss it, then goes out and wins before they completely <laughs> change it up. Uh, <laughs> what a win. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain this whole day. It's just so, so bizarre from start to finish. Like, um, you know, we, we get here in the morning and we'll, we'll talk about all this, but you know, the drivers were really outspoken. Um, they really did not want to see this place changed. Um, obviously you and I have, have both said, we understand the need for the repave itself. And they drivers did too. They, they get the repave for the most part, yeah, for the most part, for the most, not part. all the drivers, not all, but, but yeah. I think a large majority of they understand, like they've done as much as they can. And if I think the drivers who were not in favor of repave, their minds are probably going to be changed after today when we had a red flag of 20 minutes because the track is coming apart. So they understand the reconfiguration though, makes no sense to anybody outside of SMI. I mean, it really doesn't. Well, that's a generous way to, to put that probably. <laughs> yes, I, I agree with you. Um, it's interesting because, you know, SMI sort of come from the standpoint of like, hey, we want to do some stuff for the fans. But even the fans on Twitter, as Kyle Larson noted, um, don't seem to be in favor of this. Um, so it's it's an interesting dynamic because I don't know where the support's coming from. I guess I assume that SMI feels like, hey, look, if we can create a mile and a half track that races like a super speedway and really actually has like Daytona and Talladega ish elements to it. Sure. Um, then that would be a big hit for, for everybody. But I don't know how they can accomplish that. 
and the drivers seem very, very, very skeptical that they can accomplish but that. But you're creating a track for a car in a rules package that you have no idea how it's actually going to race. Now, there's been simulations, but this next-gen car that NASCAR is going to implement next year has never raced in a competitive situation. Only once have two of the cars been on the track at the same time, and those were spread apart. So you're, you're, you're hopeful, and they're using iRacing, and I, I like iRacing, I think it's a good platform, but you're basing all of this off of simulations. That, again, you ha that the, and those simulations are based off of things that haven't even happened yet. So this in a year from now, then the first next-gen race here could be complete antithesis of what they want. You, what are you gonna do then? You can't change the track, you're pot committed. Well, and that, that's what, I think that's what worries me too, right? Because there's something in the back of my mind that it's like, like with the whole 550 package philosophy that we've seen at these tracks, like the, the keeping the, the teams, uh, the drivers more bunched up, that, that whole philosophy, I, I guess in my mind, I'm kind of like, okay, look, there's a chance this may not work out because we've seen swings before sure. from one thing to another. And so there's, you know, I'm like, there's a chance this may not work out. And so they'll need to go back to whatever. And, and, but when, I think I think this was almost like a bridge too far for a lot of the drivers where now they see that they're going down this road to force the racing on the track to be a certain way to build the track a certain way and once and like you said there's no really coming back from that because they're not going to redo it after that once once you've narrowed it and high banked it or whatever you have what you have and so if you get two or three years down the road and you go yeah this really isn't the way we wanted to go too bad you've built this <laughs> track and put millions of dollars into it that doesn't really apply to what you're trying to do. So I'm I'm very wary of fic, of, of making the tracks go that way um, to, to try to force a certain style of racing. The only style of racing you can really force is short tracks. I mean, that's, that's a whole different story. And we've talked about, even Kyle Larson said today, um, he said, hey, you know, I think they should make this into a, a short track like they're doing at Fontana. We wrote that in The Athletic this past week in our race preview. <laughs> hey, I... I you know, Kyle Larson said in his media availability, he said, I think you should do short tracks. And he said, Jeff Gluck likes short tracks. See? Jeff so. Gluck likes short tracks. We should do short <laughs> tracks. But that's a good point. Though. I mean, what do you do if a couple of years down the road that, you you know, the crew chiefs get a handle on this car, this new car, and things change, and the racing changes? What do you do then? Because you can't, you're going to alter the car? You're not going to do that, really? I mean, you're only, there's only so much you can do there, especially with this car, because there, there's a lot of limitations on this. This just feels like a very short-sighted move when if you look 10 years down the road you say okay wait a second we want to take Atlanta Motor Speedway into the future and make sure that this track has relevancy in a, a very crowded sports market and want to make sure that we give our fans an exciting race on a near annual basis what is the best way to do that well that's a pretty obvious answer and it seems for whatever reason that memo did not get across the desk at SMI well I, I think that they clearly have their own ideas I, I, I did talk to Marcus Smith briefly about this this morning as we were in the middle of interviewing all these drivers so I wanted to give him a chance to respond and, and he you know politely he just he didn't really want to say anything about it and and, and I understand that um, I don't see I, I disagree with that though like if this is your move this is a big move yeah you you are out front and you are saying this is why we're doing it and, and and then also making the comment to the NBC that he made last week of oh I, I got input from the drivers okay who are those drivers well, at this point, I don't think there's a lot of winning for him to stand out front and defend it. Uh, you know, I think they're, I'm sure they're going to go ahead with it, but um, it just doesn't, I don't, what, 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 you know, from his standpoint, 
you know, I said, is it, is it fair for the drivers to feel like they should have been considered about this? And, you know, he, he said he didn't really have an answer for that. And, and I, I don't know. It's, uh, I, look, I, I don't agree with it, so I'm, I'm sort of biased already. I'm, I'm on the driver's side on this, right? I mean, I think, and, and I think that, I don't even, I don't even think it's a, I'm not even on the driver's side. I just no? don't like, I don't I mean that. That's a whole different issue of whether how much input they should have, you know, that kind of thing. Or they well, you're, you're, how do we know? I mean, look, Denny Hamlin said for the, for the Fontana thing, right? That we, yep. that the story that we've talked about for over, you know, a year now um, about how Fontana is going to become a short track. Denny said, well, look, I, I did use, I was consulted on this. I did use iRacing for this. There was about six of us. And we went back and forth on the configurations and um, we've tweaked them and, and we've tried to make it better because they say, Denny's point was, look, I don't agree with pack racing on a mile and a half track. I don't want to go that direction. But if you're going to do that, let go to the drivers and let us help you with your goals. Go to the drivers and say, okay, how do we achieve this? Where the design that they've come out with for this track, it doesn't sound like the drivers are too optimistic of what it's going to do. And they're shaking their heads like, nobody told us about this. Nobody kept us in the loop. Nobody asked us about this, except for Kurt Busch. Um, <laughs> so I think that's where their frustration is coming from. And they said it's, you know, indicative of a big, bigger problem, which we'll, we'll talk more about. But uh, it's, I think that's, I, I do think that they're tied together, though. I don't think you can separate them that much. I think it's good to seek input from the drivers, but I think you have to be very careful on what you take from them because they have different agendas. And so I think it's good to see, and the Auto Club Speedway is a great thing. After they announced they were going to do this, they went to the drivers and said, help us kind of finalize how, what this is going to look like. And they've done that. And that's a great, you know, working together thing. And sometimes what NAS, the drivers are going to have a different idea of what NASCAR wants. But to me, I don't understand how this makes Atlanta relevant in the long term. I, I, I just, I do not see it. Well, all. if it becomes another like restrictor plate style track and that's a giant if and we just don't know yeah and, and, it absolutely and is and because the, that's what this rules package is supposed uh, to do uh, essentially well, yeah, right? there's that too and we don't know and again we have nothing to base this off of other than simulations and but just, let's <laughs> say if you're you're saying you don't know how it become how it makes it relevant if if this becomes sort of like a third you know plate type style track somehow which again i'm skeptical as you are <laughs> but that would that's your answer i'm just that's answering the, your question yeah i know it if that happens then you've got a chance and you've got a possibility then great I, I just don't know that this is the way to do it well and i think that what really hurts in all this is and, and you could see why the driver's being so upset about it today um and, and discussing it and really sounding off more than we had heard them sound off in recent memory anyway i mean as far as being opinionated about a topic collectively too collectively. it wasn't just like one or two here it was right. a, a fairly broad yeah i mean like like you know matt de benedetto was sort of making the point of like look the reason every the drivers like atlanta is because you feel like you can make a difference here you still out of all the tracks stuff has changed the drivers even they acknowledge hey we, we kind of get that like this is the direction what nascar wants to go but this was one of the few remaining tracks where you show up as a driver and you say hey i can use the the brake and the throttle and the steering and i can make a difference in this race i can have an impact rather than just putting my foot to the floor and racing all around and trying to draft or whatever right like you use your driving skills this is a driver's track yes and it's that part of it that element of it is going away intentionally right like 
they are taking, they want to not just repave it, but to take that away intentionally and try to make it into a track that it's never been. Um, that's where they have a problem, you know? And the, the problem, too, with the plan is they want to make it a super speedway type race. Right. But they also want to have tire wear. And they want to have pack racing. That doesn't, those don't go together. Those don't go together yeah. at all. So it goes back to what I said. It's just the plan seems flawed from the drop. So why are we executing this plan? Well, we're not. Oh, but that's true. Somebody is. Um, anyway, maybe maybe somehow the, the driver outcry of all, over all this. I mean, everybody. I mean, gosh, Harvick's comments, Logano's comments, Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Larson. Um, I mean, we, we almost saw a little bit of the old blunt Larson today. He said, he said something like, uh, you know, I, I don't think that, um, I, you know, they, they say they talk to drivers. I don't, maybe they talk to some truck series drivers or something <laughs> like that. I mean, he's just like, it, uh, it was, yeah. Those are five-star um, diamond comments from Kyle Larson. I like that. Um, I don't know. So anyway, so it's, it's just, I don't know. We sit here, we look at it now, night is falling and, and I don't know. We'll just, we'll see where it goes. But um, the bottom line is Kurt Busch, you know, the last time that we got to see this and it, it is, I will say it is pretty crazy. Like in terms of the, the repave itself, I went out there to take pictures before the race and you know, there's like little rocks sticking up like <laughs> jagged rocks. It's not just like, Oh, it's an old worn out parking lot type thing. Even it's like, there's like, it looks like you're driving over gravel that has been like cemented together. Like they're bumpy, bumpy, <laughs> jagged. Like I, I don't, I'm surprised it took this long for the track to come apart during the race. Today. I'm, surpri like, I'm surprised that too. I'm surprised you don't see more blowouts too because of that, like punctures yeah, right? and stuff. It, yeah. It's crazy. It, it's long overdue for a repave. I, I don't think there's any argument about that. And it's crazy that it's to this Do point. Do you think, let me ask you this, that kind of surface that we saw today, this kind of race yeah. we saw today, is this the last one in NASCAR history? Because like auto club's pretty worn out, but it's not to this point, right? Yeah. Kentucky was getting this way. That got repaved and then taken off the schedule. Um, you know, you have some tracks that are... Darlington sort of, is like that. Darlington is But Darlington's like, been repaved not that long ago. It's, no, it's worn, but it's but not it's, like this. It's pretty... And it wasn't I, repaved... I mean, it wasn't like 1997. You know what I'm I saying? I guess the like, best way... I, I, I The only way not to answer this question is I look at tire wear, and at Darlington, the tire fall-off is incredible. I get that, but what I'm saying is on a surface like this, like, will NASCAR... Will tracks even let a surface ever get this old again? And, and especially with repaving technology, like say Charlotte, which was paved a long time ago now and has hardly aged at all, like 30 years from now or something, the Charlotte Oval still probably won't look like this, you know, because of, re of pavement technology. And they say that when they're repaving this track, they're going to try to make it age or something intentionally, but I don't think they're going to be able to do it like this. So I don't know. I, I, obviously, we can't, you know, make this prediction, but this I guess what I'm saying is this may have been the last NASCAR race that was truly like an old, old, yeah, rocky I mean, surface. When before Darlington was last repaved, well, how long did it go between? I can't remember. I yeah, don't that, know that's the only other one between. I think you're probably yeah. going to see. I think have a, a chance to replicate this. Yeah, but that that it's it's a short list. Anyway, it's it's just crazy. Um, I I think that this was uh I, you know, and we'll talk about whether it was a good race, but to me this was. You said it was everything a mile and a half race should be. Absolutely. Um, obviously, you're going to have the 750 truthers, our friends. Whatever. Talk about. I'm it. not. I'm not getting it. That's just. I mean, 
how can you not watch this race? I don't care what fan you are of an aero package. Okay. How can you not watch this race and watch today and watch guys have to save their tires and watch Kurt and Kyle fight out over the last few laps? And they're, they're sliding I'll, I'll give you the answer. I know, because they're... I'm, no, 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 that's not the answer. But what they're going to say, what the argument I've already seen is, people are going to say, this race was decided by a guy ruining the leader's heir, Ross Chastain, and the leader's heir got interfered with, just like in the spring race here where Logano interfered enough with Larson to help Blaney win. Now Larson afterwards said, well, maybe, you know, I, I, my tires were going away anyway. But. The aerodynamic issues were going to be there regardless of the aero package. You still had, you. it was still hard to pass, whether you're with a 750 or a 550, you still have dirty air. You still have all of those elements in play. And Ross Chastain, under any rules package, when he slides up and, and slows down the leader, that under any rules package, that is going to hurt Kyle Busch and open the door for the second place driver. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, when the, the slower car sl slows up the leader, that opens the door. It doesn't, it makes no difference about the aero package. I'm just, I don't disagree with you. I'm just telling you what people are saying in, in terms of like why they don't like what happened or how it happened. You look dumbfounded. I just, the whole, I didn't believe the whole. Five, what are you, what 750 you, truthers. Yeah, I didn't believe in that until, I don't know, like a month ago. And then you, you saw the poll results and after it missed yeah, so bad. Yeah, and you explained it to me, and I'm just like, you're right. You can't win over these people. And I mean, the aero package is what it is, but this was a damn good race. I'm sorry. This was good. Well, I this listen, was I entertaining. I talked to Matt Weaver, king of the uh, 750 truthers oh. in a way. Uh, although he, you know, uh, after the race, I and I said, I need you to help me with the poll results. I need you to help me beat Jordan. And uh, he gave me some guidance, and, and, and he even felt like it was a good race. So um, maybe maybe people will come around on uh, on it and, and judge it fairly. But I do want to talk about, since we brought up, I want to talk about Ross Chastain. Um, I would like to talk about whether it was ethical, the move that he made. What, what do you think about... Uh, a teammate holding up the leader in that situation to change potentially the outcome of the race. You have a problem with it? I have no teammate. I have no problem with it. It's a good teammate. Uh -huh. It's what, as long as you don't crash them yeah. and you're not putting them in the wall, no problem with that. I have no problem with it whatsoever. Well, I wish I could argue with you, of course, but um, no, I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, I think I mean, it's, 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 he didn't do anything malicious. He got, he took his air away enough and, and got in his way just enough to, yeah mess him up and it's not like you swerved over the race it's not like you swerved across the racetrack to block him either i yeah. mean like he, he got mean, noticed that hey kyle's running the high line what, can you go up there and he did yeah and, and and honestly kyle should probably know that i mean i, I wasn't well, i was listening to the 18 it was pretty quiet over the radio um that you have to know like i'm coming up on the 42 like this could be a little bit problematic here i'm probably gonna have to do something different than what i normally would do and yeah. so i i have no issue with it I really don't. And good for Ross. It's smart. I mean, it helps your teammate win the race. And in a time when your future is unknown, it's, it's not a bad idea to keep your bosses happy. Look, I, again, I, I don't disagree with any of it. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, what what kind of team would he be if he didn't yeah. help? It's not it's not a 100% rule type thing. It's not a and, – and also I think Kurt made a great point too. It's not in the playoffs. And if this was in the playoffs, I think it, it is maybe a little bit different because Chastain, if you have, if he's not a playoff driver, sure. and you have somebody in not in the playoffs, kind of interfering with a playoff uh, situation, that's different. But this is a regular season, uh, a teammate who hasn't won yet, 
that helps get him in. And I think um, the fact that Kyle's won too, he's got two wins yeah. this year and his, you know, his playoff status is well secured. I think that probably impacts it as well. If Kyle didn't have a win, if he was on the bubble or needed that win, my opinion probably maybe changes, but I think if you all of the circumstances together Adam, you know, I think you're, I'm okay with it. Do you think that Kurt Busch wins a race without Ross Chastain's help? I don't. I mean, Kyle was really good, and I know, you know, Matt McCall said he didn't think it was going to happen either. Now, you can say, well, Kyle's, and, you know, Kurt said that Kyle, was it Kurt or Matt that said Kyle's car was kind of fading there at the end, but Kyle was pushing really hard, so it's kind of hard to, I don't think Kurt catches him. I mean, Kyle was ahead of him. He, was, he seemed like he was in a good spot. I think without Ross Chastain, it's Kyle Busch in victory lane holding the uh, chunk of asphalt instead of Kurt Busch. And and as our as our friend Nate Ryan pointed out, um, how how interesting that you know Kyle had gone on this rant about how the track was changing after the Xfinity race on on Saturday and said I want a piece <laughs> of asphalt from this track right, and then Atlanta goes and digs it up right after the race and gives it to his brother who he's already completely salty about. <laughs> <laughs> losing the race. Uh, I have a lot of questions about, well, one, did, I wonder if that came up out of turn four, <laughs> that piece of chunk they got. And two, if you're Kurt Busch, don't you have to like sign that and like date it and then give it to your brother as a gift? I don't think, no, I, I, Kurt seems to really, he even said he enjoys tweaking Kyle so much. He enjoys giving him such a hard time. You know, I think that's so funny because Kyle uh, clearly is, you know, hates losing to Kurt more than anybody. And, you know, then you have, you know, Kurt, who just loves tweaking him. Um, I don't know. I thought it was funny. It, by the way, um, I think. What's that? Go ahead. No, please go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it is, you know, we were talking about, I was, as you said, maybe they dug it out of turn four. I was looking at the track because we're, again, sitting here right in Victory Lane. You know, they said they're going to start on this project right afterwards. Oh, they're starting. They're, they're <laughs> literally taking the foam out of the safer barriers right now. They I'm not going to be able to take a quiet track pick tonight because they're like getting to work on this reconfiguration repave now so this is like kansas if if there's any hope of um them changing their mind (laughs) they're probably gonna have to change it pretty soon (laughs) i'm waiting for the drivers to come out here with pitchforks yeah right start laying they're gonna lay them down across the finish like they're gonna lay themselves across the finish line and like bulldovers are not gonna cross us right like like the protesters getting in the way of the tanks in tiananmen square wow the the drivers are going to stand in front of the bulldozers and say you will not you will not repave this place. Um, probably a little bit extreme, but I, I would be surprised based on their co- comments. This reminds me of Kansas in 2012. Like, Brad Keselowski won there, and literally they had him as part of their victory celebration take the bulldozer. They and, did that at Phoenix, too. I think maybe Carl Edwards oh, did they? or something like that. Maybe Carl <laughs> Edwards. are not wasting any yeah. time. So yeah. here's the thing. I've, I've thought about this about Kurt lately because you know, he's in the news a lot. You know, his, his status is up in the air for next year. And is it, though, Jordan? You've <laughs> written, you've even reported that, uh, even this, with this Ganassi distraction aside, he's gone his way to 2311 racing. You've reported this. I said he was a leading candidate and likely headed there, yes. And what do you think about that now? I stand by the report, and I have no reason not to think that that's not going to happen. He's, a, he's the number one candidate. I know that. He keeps playing it off as like, oh, geez. He is, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. today on the telecast also said he, uh, he Kurt's got a done deal, and there's some other people that say it's got. I, listen, Kurt's negotiating. Here's the thing about that though, too, is like Kurt's contract. He couldn't negotiate before June 1st in his contract. Well, <laughs> he was there was contract talks well before June 1st. I mean, so what somebody says publicly doesn't always necessarily, you know. And he had a contract offer. We learned today he had a contract offer from Ganassi, which went out the window when they got sold. So, 
listen, things can happen, and I do think Trackhouse buying Ganassi changes that a little bit because we know that Justin Marks was very interested in Kurt Busch as a second driver over there. It fit. It fit what they're trying to do. So this and Kurt is obviously happy where he's at on some level. So that does change the dynamic. At the end of the day, though, I do I do think Kurt ends up at a second car at 2311 racing. To my point, though, is this kind of goes into it is it's interesting how Kurt's we're viewing Kurt differently now. Absolutely. In, in like really the last I mean, not even really the latter part of his SHRA years, but now he's no longer the, the I think, for lack of a better term, hothead. You know, he's no longer the guy. He's the veteran older statesman who you can look at and he's gone to teams and, and really made them better, like mm-hmm. significantly better. And you're really starting to kind of I really respect what he's done and how he's like the one car. They never won races on a consistent basis before he got there. They do that now. You look at what he did at Furniture Row and how he elevated them. You look at what he did at the Stuart Haas team and the team that over there, and that was a brand new team, and how he took them to the playoffs every year and won races. He is really probably doesn't get enough respect for his knowledge and how really as an organizational wide he knows how to build teams, making them better. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, things changing and the dynamics changing, let's talk about how Kurt Busch's win today changes the playoff picture because obviously he was on the bubble. We talked about on the podcast how he's erased a deficit and he had passed Chris Busher and now he was going to be one of the leading guys um, sort of on, on the cutoff line. All of a sudden, that's gone. He's in, and it really, really shifts the, the points picture um, because all those people, you know, Busher, um, Stenhouse, Bubba Wallace to an extent, Matty Matt D. Benedetto for sure. Um, it's it's they're done. It's yeah. over for them as far as points. So they have to win. And now Tyler Reddick's in a situation where he's up by ninety ninety six with five six. to go. He's up by ninety six points. Austin Dillon's up by one hundred four points. So that dynamic that that still yeah. I mean RCR really yeah. now looks for a situation. They felt like they're comfortably going to get two cars in. They I mean. And at this point, you're going to need Tyler. Tyler also would have to collapse and for someone else to probably get in on the point situation. Which is not going to happen. But somebody could win at Daytona. You know, yeah, it, it, they could. Somebody it, could win on a road course. They could. They absolutely. And, that, and I talked to Chris post-race, and he said, like, hey, we, I'm a good road course driver. Basically, I'm a good road course driver, and Indy's an opportunity to race for me. Um, Watkins Glen's an opportunity to race for me. And obviously, you never know what happens at Daytona. They're, you know, Luke Lambert. And he and his crew chief Luke Lambert said that we're in must-win mode. Maddie D, I talked to Maddie D, said the same thing. Like we're kind of in must-win mode. Though in Maddie D's case, he said that we were kind of thinking like we need to win anyway. The one interesting on that too is Luke Lambert did say, if Reddick does have like a bad race or two, that will ch- like if we see that he's having a bad race, that is going to change us, and we may not be as aggressive as you maybe would think, because you know we don't want to like go all out for a win and end up biting us in the butt. So if he if, if Tyler Reddick has a bad race, we might play it smart and try to you know get as many points as we can. So it's interesting. I don't want to say that anybody's out of it points because I mean, hell, I mean, Kurt Busch left Charlotte, and I was I looked at it. I he was down sixty something, I think. Yeah, and it, and it felt like more. They they weren't yeah. running well. They were going the wrong direction. And then all of a sudden, he started winning stages, and he hasn't stopped. Yeah, I mean, so it's just, I mean, 96 is a lot of points. Now you only have five races left, though, right? You do, but Tyler Reddick has two bad races. You just, you know, it it has to, it opens the door, but a lot's going to have to happen. Yeah, I can't really see. I mean, I really think everybody's in must-win mode at this point. I think so, too. You know, that's, it's going to be pretty hard. But I I do have to apologize, Jordan, to you. Again? 
You do this a lot. Because I'm pretty sure on last week's podcast, I may have yelled at you even. Probably. Um, you yelled at me a because lot. Because you started saying something like, oh, you know, you know, you could go to Atlanta and you could see a different type winner, you know, maybe like a yes. Chase Presco or something like that. Do you, do you remember this conversation? Yes. And I was like, that's ridiculous. You're winning. You're living in a fantasy world. Yes. We're going to go and it's going to be the, it's a mile and a half track. We're going to see the usual teams. <laughs> we should have like a Jeff Gluck apology hour because I am apologizing. I, will never, I mean, I'm still salty over going in Indy 500 when I said Scott Dixon, you know, another win would really kind of help. You kind of need. No, the, you were wrong about that. No, you were really wrong. Our about friend that. Nate Ryan even agreed, even no. acknowledged on the podcast and said that I was right. No, no. Yes, he, he said no, on this podcast no. that I was right. I didn't hear that. Anyway, I, I do apologize because you weren't living in a fantasy world. In fact, Kurt Busch came out and not only, I mean, not only does he win, but yeah. he leads 144 laps. I don't, I don't Unbelievable. Know That's the most he's led since. Uh, the Richmond race in 2015, I believe. It was the first race um, he won after being suspended. Is that right? Yeah. Is that what that race was? Yeah, he led like 290-something laps that race. Um, a rain-delayed race, too. Yeah. I don't see um, um, Unbelievable memory you have and unbelievable call by you to live in the fantasy world to think <laughs> that somebody could come here and beat the Hendrick cars, beat the Joe Gibbs racing cars, beat Penske cars. Speaking of which, we've been talking... Oh, we're going to look at Atlanta. We're going to look at Atlanta <laughs> about Hendrick. Did the nose change after Nashville? This was going to be the first test. Did it play a role? Did it, Jordan? What do you think? I, I don't know how you can't look at this and say what Kyle Larson did in the spring and the domination he's had there, and then you look at Nashville and the other tracks. It's hard not to think that. They didn't lead a lot of laps today. Chase Elliott led a few laps. Um, it's not like they completely fell off the map. I mean, Alex Bowman was strong all day. Chase Elliott had a better car than he finished. He got, you know, had, had some issues on pit road. Kyle Larson was in the top ten until a speeding penalty. Byron kind of fell off at the end, but it's hard not to. Larson did not lead a lap today. Did Larson did not lead a lap today. He had a spurt there at the end when he came up and he was in the top. He was running like fourth, fifth, and like, like, okay, now he's in business. But then, like, he got a speeding penalty and it was done. I don't know how you can't think and. This goes back to something I've said, too. We know that NASCAR talked to Hendrick to some level, and they did something. And I think it's also combined with something I've been saying, really, for the last couple months, is that the 18 car is, is, is found speed. Like, Kyle Busch is back. I don't know how else to say that. Like, he's back. I mean, that's the best way. Like, he's leading laps every week. He's winning stages, and he's back. And this Chip Ganassi Racing has been really, really good. I mean, they've had a lot of speed in their race cars. Well, uh, Kyle Busch, despite being very um, salty, grumpy, Kyle, as, as uh, Kurt called him after the race, um, he was happy about one thing. Because I asked him, did you think you made gains on Hendrick? Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, you know what? I, I do think if you look at the spring, we did make gains on Hendrick. And it was really nice to run up there for a while. I'm just mad about finishing second. But he was pretty – he didn't shy away at all from saying – Hey, I think I think we made some and, and how like you said, I don't see how you could look at the laps led and the overall performance today. I believe the only Hendrick car that did lead laps overall looking at it, even through mm -hmm. pit, green flag pit cycles and stuff, was those first uh eight thirteen laps of the race by Chase Elliott when he started on the pole. Once he fell back, he was gone. Now, again, Larson was gonna run third to the speeding penalty. Alex Bowman ends up running fourth. Elliott had a good car, he had some issues on pit row. Like I mean they Elliott ends up finishing seventh yeah, despite not, all that. It's yeah. not like they fell off the map. Right, right, right. But the gap. But they weren't they weren't the yeah. dominant The gap is gone. They weren't gonna run one, two, three, four today no, at any no, point. There not was at all. not a chance. So I 
we'll have to keep watching this, but I do kind of think that there's something to yeah, that. Absolutely, and I think, and I, you can't ignore Kevin Harvick today. Like, I mean, he had a lot of speed in that race car. Now, they couldn't get, they couldn't, they just never had track position, and they were running fast lap. They were running some of the fast laps of the race. If he gets up there, he's in the mix too. You think so? I, I just the gap. I don't know had, if I'm going to go that far, but he. They, they, you look at his lap times and running in traffic today. He was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean so, I think he was better than he has been, but he wasn't. He's Kevin not Harvick like Kevin Harvick, but I think he. I think he's in the. He still finished the top. You know, he was 11th. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's in the mix. I, the gap is gone. The, the the edge that Hendrick had this overwhelming dominance that it was you know going on for a while it, that is now evaporated. Now they're still. I'll still take Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. <laughs> over I just a lot of these guys. I mean, I. How does a Chip Ganassi racing car look? We've been talking about. Oh, Ross Chastain has some more speed. Kurt Busch has erased the deficit. He's running better. But to show up at a mile and a half track and just whoop everybody? I mean, now, again, it, yeah, it, it but had Kurt, to. Kurt does this, though. I mean, he yeah. did, remember in 2019, he wins at Kentucky with another mile and a half racetrack. Worn track. Like, he, he is good for one of these wins a year. Yeah, now, Vegas, the, Vegas last year, mile Vegas and a half. Vegas last year. Now, now there's some late, yeah, yeah, but yeah. still, he still drove the lottery. got two great restarts late. I mean, and that, but this though, the dominating thing is we haven't seen. But he is good for one of these wins, and Matt McCall is is a very underrated crew chief. So, uh, I'm not shocked that they won. I guess I'm more shocked that of, in terms of them just coming out and beating everybody. But yeah, good. For, I mean, they they it, the signs have been there. So interesting how, like those really really good future Hall of Fame veteran drivers, they can get you even if your program's not like top notch, even if you're not one of the, like the top tier teams necessarily. They can get you a win a year where mm-hmm. like some of the, like the just great drivers or seemingly good drivers, you know, we talk a lot about them and like, oh, this guy seems pretty good. They, you know, they can't quite do that. I mean, they can you, you take a Kurt Busch, a, a veteran driver on a, a driver's track like this, which, again, there's not going to be as many anymore. Um, this is where the magic can kind of happen. It's really interesting that that it works out that way. Goes back to what I said. He is he's really good. I and almost he's almost underrated in a sense. I think you go you look at his career and the totality of it, it's like, wow, okay. So, um, should we talk about um I mean, look, I, I've said to you that I don't go on rants on this podcast and I've told you that I wasn't gonna rant this week, but I, I do need to rant. I do I do feel I need to rant. So I'm sorry, um, is this an apology again because I'm right that you do rant on the podcast? I'm not going to go that far. I've already apologized. Well, oh, this will be next week's segment when you apologize to me. Sorry. Please Listen, continue. I was watching the <laughs> truck series race at Knoxville. Um, I did not like this race on dirt. I, I love Knoxville, Knoxville Raceway. Um, probably one of my favorite racetracks in the whole world uh, that, I've, that I've been to anyway. Um, love that place. I, I did not like the truck series running there. And it just made me think again. Um, combined with watching the SRX race at Slinger, which was really something else. Slinger, Quarter baby. mile track. Wow. What a show that Love put that on. place. Uh, you, you look at those. Okay. You look at this race today. You look at the dirt race. You look at a short track. And you go, man, what, what is the common thread here? What is the common thread with all this? We almost dropped our recorder as I get ready to rant. <laughs> so Hamlin used the word today. Um, and it wasn't gimmicks, it was novelties, which I hadn't thought about in this context before. But I really like that. He says, um, you know, he was talking about NASCAR getting away from its roots and getting away from doing what it does well uh, with these novelties. Not gimmicks, but the novelties, I think, are like 
throwing dirt on Bristol or going to a dirt track or going to more, more road courses. And Denny said, you know, there's a reason why the Trans Am series isn't the most popular series. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't even have to go on a rant just to make this point. But you look at what NASCAR is trying to do. Like, let's let's go here. Let's go here. Let's go here. And I know you're big on the events and you want it to be a big event and get people talking about it. Not everything has to be an event, but as you can make it an event, yes. No, that's whoa, whoa, whoa. You've got a backtrack here. You're talking you've on the been on this podcast saying it's so good for NASCAR to have these big events yes. and get people talking yes. and all this stuff. Throughout the year, you need those, yes. But I, I don't agree that you need those because what you really need is good racing. And if you put a bunch of short tracks on the schedule, you wouldn't need the novelty. You wouldn't need the gimmicky stuff. You would have just great racing every week. You go to a place like Slinger, you go to a place that the SRX series has been going right and you have these races that are compelling instead it's like okay well let's try to make atlanta motor speedway more like a restrictor plate race and see if that somehow works or something when you had a chance to, they could have converted it to a short track like fontana why not they should have um you know the series is starving for more short tracks right now this is the fewest this 2021 has the fewest short track races ever in the history of the Cup Series, when everybody's been saying more short tracks, you only have five short track races this year. You have one Bristol pavement, two Richmonds, which hardly qualifies, and two Martinsvilles. Every other... So you're, you're saying paved short tracks, though? Dirt short. Dirt's not a short track. You can't say a dirt track is a short track. That's that's a dirt race. That's a completely separate category. Okay. You can't, There's no such thing as a, a non-dirt short track. That's not I mean, true. There's two of them on the ARCA schedule. That's not okay. Whatever. Anyway, um, the the point is, NASCAR is adding all these road courses. NASCAR is trying to do this with Atlanta and, and try to, you know, I'm, again, give it, gimmick it up in a way to make it some sort of special race. But it's it's such a loss. I feel like it's such the wrong direction to go because what the formula is, the magic of NASCAR is, is. These short tracks, the the tempers. Kyle Larson even said, "I'm not even good at short tracks, but I think we should go to more short tracks." Sure. Because that's where that's what the heart and soul of NASCAR is. The more you say, "Let's try road courses. Let's try street courses. Let's try building a, a mile and a half into a plate track. Let's you know go to dirt tracks. Let's go ice racing. Let's go figure eight racing." You know, that'd be fun. That would be cool. Have you ever seen a figure eight race? They're pretty entertaining. Let's go train racing. Whatever at these you know it's just well i don't understand how how nascar has gotten so lost and lost its way to this point the the formula for the magic is there and it's like the powers that be keep being determined to go off in this different direction i i think you make the racing that's the show that's that's the gimmick so to speak like great We've talked about it. go Bowman Gray. It's a TV sport. It's becoming more of a TV sport. I have said that very thing. Like I, I th- I've said this, and you actually told me two weeks ago at Pocono, you have to make sure you do give fans who come to the races something. I agree with everything you said. Short tracks matter. I want more short tracks. Atlanta should be a short track. I want to go to the National Fairgrounds. I would love in a perfect world to figure out a way to get the Slinger. Now, is it possible? I don't know, but I do. I think if I think you have, it would be a fundamental change though in NASCAR to basically say, "I've been to Slinger. I think it's I think I think five thousand 
I think that's what you get there for attendance. There, You're right. It would be a fundamental in, in change. That, in that, in that, and I agree. With, I mean, I would love to see this. I want that. But it, in a way, it's going back to the roots more than anything. I agree. And if NASCAR wants to talk about, we're doing this for the fans, we're going back to our roots. You're going to have to become a quote-unquote made-for-TV sport at that point. And, that, and that's fine. Because if that, if that will get you the television ratings that you need to remain viable, then honestly, I'm all for it. I'm all for going to those places, the Bowmans, the, the Slingers, the, the Hickories, where you're going to have to take a, a huge cut in your attendance. Now, it's not that much, though, because here's the thing. First of all, you're, you're still going to pack as many people in as you can. You are. How many people do you think were at Atlanta here today? Uh, not many. I mean, it wasn't good. It wasn't. For, it for, was. Th- th- this is a new age crowd where, like, all the restrictions have been lifted. No there competition was maybe going on right now. 20,000 Weather was here. fine. I mean, a little bit of rain, but not, not anything to be concerned about. It wasn't about. a good crowd. No. Okay, so let's say you're only going to get... 10,000 at some short track or something. It's not that much of a difference. And yeah. you will, what, 67% or something like that of the purse or of the TV money is already responsible for a track's revenue. So, you know, it's when you're talking about just the remaining 30% or whatever it is, and you're cutting in half, I mean, it's, you can, I'm sure it, it's an impact, but again, it's, it's not that. I, I think it's something that needs to be explored. I, I really do. But instead, it's not. It's not, though. It's not being explored. It's going the opposite way. That's what's frustrating about it. Um, but this goes back to, I mean, this goes back to the 1970s when NASCAR, I mean, that, this goes back to then because the France family in the early 70s said, we are off of dirt tracks. We are off of any tracks under a half mile and we're done. We're like, it's just not where we want to be. And so it's unfortunate. And all these great tracks that we always talk about with, you know, such reverence are gone and, you know, no longer. It would be awesome, it, but it's happened throughout NASCAR. It doesn't happen in the Xfinity Series anymore. It doesn't happen in the Truck Series anymore. I, I would, I would love to go back in time and make this happen. I don't know if you can. I, I would love but to here's see. Here's the it. thing: they're and putting I'm, so much effort, Jordan, mm-hmm. into like the rules package, right, and the mm-hmm. new car and, and all the stuff. What are they trying to achieve with stages and all this stuff? Is they're it trying to get drama? They're trying to get closer racing they're trying to get it generate excitement with the playoffs all these things are doing they're trying to force things into happening right if you just go to the right racetracks that Agreed. problem is so solved in it, a way it would solve a lot of problems it probably is a lot cheaper actually in the long run too if you look at all the money that's spent into the r&d of testing a new car and the development and aero package is this Aero doesn't matter as much yeah it, i mean it it helps it makes the competition better because you've got the hat the smaller teams I'll say, you know, we've got an opportunity here to, to win because drivers do matter a lot more on short tracks than they probably do in a mile and a half, save for like Atlanta where, you know, tire management does something. But even then, aero still matters. Listen, I would love to see it. Now, there are, from a big picture standpoint, do you go to your, how do you, are sponsors okay with having to say, okay, we're going to have to go to a small town in Wisconsin that's not the easiest to get to, which is not. Are they going? Are your Fortune 500 sponsors who bring a lot of people out to these races? Are they going to be okay? I, there's a lot of like little things like that I think about. Well, you're still going to have enough of the, you know, marquee type races. Sure, and then maybe that's maybe you offset it by that, and then, then maybe that's a thing to do. That that's just a question I have though. It's like things like that. Certainly, you can do more than five out of 36. I would love to races being short tracks. I, I would love to, I, and I and I, I thought this after the Bristol Bristol dirt race is like. It's time to rethink the NASCAR race format. Not every race needs to be a 400 to 500 mile race or a 500 lap short track race. What is wrong with a 
200 mi- two hundred let me start over. What is wrong with a two hundred lap short track race for, on the Cup Series? A nice tidy two hour race on a small bullring somewhere. That that to me is that's made for TV. That that's what people want to tune in. Especially into. if you have as part of the TV window, uh, like much like SRX does, you have the heats as part of the sure. TV window, and it's all part together. You're still getting your full package anyway. The feature doesn't have to be that long. Two hundred. I, I just to me that, that there's. I would love to see this happen. I just don't know if it's actually realistic. It's well, it's not, and that's what that's what I guess I find frustrating. Um, it just doesn't even seem to be. Um, it seems to be going the opposite way. So, another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Anyway, Jordan, last week on the Was It a Good Race poll, uh, I had the Was It a Good Race poll God summon me to tell me that it was going to be, I believe, 68.4% in an attempt to get the perfect guess. Turned out I was off by exactly 10 points. I just misheard one number. It was 78.4%, but I still won, which means I've taken, I think, an 11 to 10 lead, according to Big Joe Wall 72, and um, I need to go first for this. Now... My thoughts on the Atlanta race today was this has been somewhat of a low bar season in terms of like great racing. Um, The Las Vegas race and the Martinsville race are tied for the number one spot with 88.5%. Now the problem is our 750 truther friends, I don't know if they're going to let this race be sort of like a a top 90% club type race or the top race of the season. But for me, but Las Vegas was though, Las Vegas was, uh, and I, I think though this was better than Las Vegas. Oh, this is I mean this is this is this is probably the uh, I mean maybe this is an in the moment thing. Yeah. I can't. I'm having a hard time right now thinking of a better race this year. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. that that was my roundabout way of getting this point. I think this is the best race of the season. Yeah. So in theory, if you're going to look at the top two races so far, getting 88.5, you would think this would get above that. But I just don't know if the voters are going to be quite on board enough to put it into like the 90% sure. club or close. There's only been a handful, you know, like 10 something races that have made it into 90% club, I think something like that. So this is where the dilemma is. I want to put it number one. Cause I think it was the best race of the year. 
but I can't because I want to beat you. So I'm going to put it at 84% and leave wow. quite a gap of you being able to go higher wow. if you want. Yeah, I know. I'm going 91. Okay. And I think you also have to factor in who lost today. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. If, I Kyle wins see it, that. if Kyle Busch wins this race, I think it's a different story. Okay. Good, wrong, good, bad, or indifferent, people like to see Kyle Busch lose and to lose in the manner he did. Again, I, I agree with you. If the I'm poll has any credibility, this should be the number one race of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, well, we've already established the poll has no credibility. Well, so. that's, that's what worries me. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. I think I think it'll be interesting to see what the result is. But, again, I'm going for the competitiveness. I think it's going to end up mid-80s, not in the 90s. So that's why I'm going 84. You're going 91? Yep, I respect 91. That. I respect that for we'll sure. We'll see. I'm, I am very curious to see how this ends up. Yeah. Well, uh, is there anything else that we, we didn't talk about? I feel like there's so much. And, of course, um, on The Athletic, theathletic.com, which you can subscribe to, by the way, by going to theathletic.com slash the teardown. would love for you to do that. Um, I saw you gathering content after the race. You talked to some of the, the key players who have now been affected by the playoff situation. I am going to write um, a top five column sort of uh, encompassing many of the things uh, that we heard this morning from various drivers, Got to talk to so many people, and thank you to NASCAR for uh, opening things back up so that we can talk to the 20 top 20 drivers before the race. Um, great content gathering opportunity, and uh, something we've been definitely missing at home and not being able to get that kind of access. So, really appreciate that chance, and uh, hopefully, it'll make the top five pretty good this week. Um, we'll cover as much as we can in that. But um, any other final thoughts about? what we saw here today jordan great way great race weekend great to see you in person haven't seen first you in, time in five months i know hopefully it's not five months again and uh it's just a great uh, it was a great race weekend and please can we can we seriously can we get some people like lay on the the, the 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 track please and stop this because this this does not need to happen the repave sure but we do not need to do this reconfiguration there uh i mean it's it's unbelievable how much progress they're already making in this podcast they've taken out now the entirety of the front stretch safer barrier foam. And that's fine. They're going to have to take that off anyway to do a repave. So that's okay. Uh-huh. Just don't do the banking and the, the shortening of the, the track surf. Let's just stop that. Throw down some concrete. or Not concrete. Throw down some asphalt. And let's just, let's just move forward. Well, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we had a good time talking on the podcast as always. And uh, we appreciate all our listeners. I uh, got to see some of you guys at the tweet up today. That was really fun. Really fun tweet up, by the way, uh, with the Door Bumper Clear guys, uh, my other favorite podcast. And, um, yeah, so that that was cool. Thanks to everybody for coming out to that. Um, and uh, I guess I'm going to be at the Nashville SRX race next week That's to see Chase Elliott and Bill Elliott battle and possibly Tony Stewart win the championship, put a bow on all things srx after a fun season and um yeah i've really enjoyed that series as well obviously so lots to talk about again coming up next week and of course the nascar new hampshire race moving one step closer to the playoffs we appreciate all you guys thanks so much for listening talk to you next time on the teardown